she was this gun-toting, whiskey-drinking broad. The super epic fucking broad. She was a pioneer in the industry. She's also so famous and so controversial. So controversial. So she's kind of a big fucking deal. Her story is so incredible. She belongs on this podcast because she's a broad you should know. Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I'm your host, Sarah Gorski, and today I'm very excited to be bringing you a broad that has quite literally changed the world. And I know you're probably rolling your eyes at me because I say things like that. I'm very hyperbolic, but this time I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm being the most real with you because her invention has transformed the morning ritual that many of us, including myself, follow every day, the cup of coffee. That's right, Melita Benz, our broad, invented the paper coffee filter. If you're listening from home right now, and if you're a user of paper coffee filters, then you should go into your kitchen right now and look at what brand of filters you have, because you might have a Melita Filter. That's the name of her company, Melita. I am not even joking. Her filters are still made today by the company that she founded with her family. But before I get too far ahead of myself, let's do what we always do and go back to the very beginning of her story. Amelie Auguste Melita Liebscher. She was born in Dresden on January 31st, 1873. Dresden is in Germany, for those of you who don't know where Dresden is. Um, It also is a bar in Los Feliz, uh, in Los Angeles, but you know, uh, it was in Germany first. Her father was a bookseller and her grandparents owned a brewery. So they had kind of a legacy of business owning in their family. And I don't have a lot of information that I was able to find about her early, early life, but she fell in love with Johannes Emil Hugo Benz and married him. I'm sure you're probably thinking Benz when I said Melita Benz, like, is that the Mercedes Benz? No, no relation as far as my research showed. Um, But Hugo Benz uh, was her husband. And their sons, Willie and Horst, were born in 1899 and 1904, respectively. And they had a daughter, Herta, who was born in 1911. Uh, Now, Melita was what, at the time and today, they call a housewife. Her hubby worked all day while she stayed home and performed all of the unpaid labor, raising the children, cooking the meals, cleaning the house, sewing the clothes, all the stuff that was done around the house. Um, And this is the turn of the century. Around 1900 is when kind of this crux of her story starts. And at this time, when you brewed your coffee at home, you did so in this usually like a copper pot um, on the stove without a filter. Filters weren't invented yet. And your coffee cup was usually filled with grounds um, not filled with to the brim, but like you always had these floating grounds in it, especially when you get down to the bottom of the cup. And it was a mess to do, to, to make the coffee. The grounds would stick to the sides of the pot and you had to scrub them off. And um, a lot of people use like a cloth filter to try to get some of the grounds out or at least, you know, at least what they could with it. But you would have to wash your cloth filter by hand. They didn't have washing machines, of course. And it was disgusting and it was like an ordeal. 
Um, her son Horst would later say in an interview, my mother, who had an excellent taste in coffee, was often irritated by the coffee grounds in her cup. Um, Melita also apparently found that when you made the coffee in like a jug of hot water, like the, co the copper pot, usually the coffee was brewed too long. Um, but there was an alternative method, which was an espresso machine, but she found that uh, Melita thought that the grounds that came out of that were gritty and, and even grosser. So she really didn't really care for the current method of making coffee. Um, and so every morning in her kitchen in Dresden, Melita kind of fantasized uh, about all of the better ways she could brew a cup of coffee. And she started playing around with some little inventions in her home, um, most of which didn't work. So a bunch of one of the articles I said said she tried things that failed. They didn't fail. They just weren't the right invention yet, right? Um, but then, in 1908, she punches holes in a brass pot, and she rips a piece of paper, a, a piece of blotting paper, out of her son's school notebook, and she puts the piece of paper in the pot and the grounds in the piece of paper. And she basically creates a two-part filtration system. She sets that brass pot on top of a, uh, like a mug or another pot, a smaller, a smaller vessel. And then she pours boiling water over it. And she basically creates what is today called kind of like the pour over method, right? Um, and it's Eureka! As they say, the coffee filter and coffee drip are born. Uh, and Melita had created what she called, quote, perfect coffee enjoyment. I love that phrase, perfect coffee enjoyment. That makes me just, tomorrow morning, I'm just going to wake up and I'm going to drink my perfect coffee enjoyment, I think. <laughs> um, now, Melita knew right away that this invention was huge and that everybody would need it, even if they didn't know they needed it. She started testing her new invention on her friends and acquaintances. She would host these very successful, quote, coffee afternoons and have people over. Um, and she fine tunes the invention and the process. And eventually what she comes up with is a coffee filter with, quote, curved and indented bottom and slanting extraction pores in combination with filtered paper. Uh, in July 1908, she's officially awarded the patent for the invention by the Imperial Patent Office. And the same year, she officially starts her company, which she calls M. Bentz, um, and hires her husband and her two sons. So they have four employees. It's just them. Um, and then Melita, Hugo, and, and the boys are soon running the business out of their five-room apartment in Dresden. And the boys would make deliveries of the product with a little handcart, and Hugo would set up displays and shop windows, and he would show the public how to use this new system because they had to, they really had to kind of teach everybody what it was and how to use it before people could be convinced to buy into it because the whole concept was new for them. Um, the following year, in 1909, they get a huge break. And Melita and Hugo show their filters at the Leipzig Trade Fair, which was this huge event. And it drew in all of the owners of houseware stores across Germany. And uh, as her son Horst said, quote, the result was astounding, end quote. 
the porcelain pour over coffee makers and paper filters became a huge buzz and they sold 1250 units for 1.25 marks each that year um in 1910, she kept develop she kept kind of developing and perfecting the system and inventing new things too. Um, in 1910, she develops uh, the, the the coffee would pour directly into a jug or pot, um, tweaking tweaking the process a little bit. Um, and that same year, at the International Hygiene Exhibition in Dresden, Melita's quote filtration apparatus got gold and silver awards. Uh, by 1912, they're doing so much business that they expand. They grow to eight people, eight employees, and they keep on growing. But then this is when we hit World War I, uh, and that severely affected both of uh, Melita's personal life and the business because both her husband and her eldest son, Willie, are drafted into the army. So her brother, Paul, steps in and helps her run the company during World War I. Um, but there, there was, um, limitations on, on paper. There was a lot of paper shortages. And so they had to kind of pivot the business to keep it alive during the war. And one of the things they ended up producing was paper cartons, I guess. Um, the war ends in 1918 and business fortunately bounces back pretty quickly. Um, in 1922, Melita develops this, what is now a very familiar um, graphic style of the, the company name Melita for the brand on, on all the packets. Um, and business keeps growing. They keep on selling. And by 1928, they have over 80 employees. Um, and then by 1929, they had really outgrown that Dresden factory they had moved into. And so her and Hugo start looking for somewhere new they can move the factory. And while they are looking for a good place, they stumble upon this unused chocolate factory building in Minden, Germany, which is northern Germany. And they end up buying the building uh, and registering with the commercial register in Minden. And then on Monday, Thursday in 1929, Melita and those employees move to Minden all together. And all of the company's machinery, they bring it all over. And a mere four days after they move, they are already up and running. And that same plant that they moved into is actually still in use today, which I find amazing. Now, pretty shortly after this big move to Minden, uh, Melita actually ends up stepping down as president of the company, which is now a corporation, um, and she sells her controlling ownership to her husband and her son, Horst. Um, both the boys still were working for the company. Um, I'm not really clear on the why. Um, I think she just didn't want to manage the day-to-day -day of the business any anymore, is what it kind of seemed like based on all the sources I was reading, um, because she's still very, very involved with everything going on at the business. Um, in fact, she had she still had like quite a say in many things, including how well employees were treated. And uh, I love this part of the story. This is the part of the story that kind of surprised me the most um, is to hear when, when someone actually like does right by their employees. Um, the Melita Corporation begins paying its employees a Christmas bonus in 1930. Um, eventually, they expand the vacation days from 6 to 15 in 1932, and their work week 
was decreased to five days. Apparently it was longer than five days, but they decreased it to five days. Um, and under her patronage, uh, Melita uh, and the corporation developed the Melita Aid System, which was a social fund for its employees, which all of those things all said, I think a lot of companies didn't do things like that. And I just, it warms the heart a little bit as somebody who's really sick of uh, late stage capitalism. I just love hearing parts of a story like that. Um, the company, of course, this whole time is continuing to, to develop new products and expand what they're offering. Um, in, in 1936, they introduced the conical filter. So that's kind of, I think, the kind of the most commonly one used today. Um, uh, and then, of course, World War II happens. And, of course, they are in Germany. So Germany is being run by the Nazis at this point, and they really kind of force the shutdown of all industry, and they make everybody produce war-related commodities. So, so everybody was making um, ammunition belts and pots and pans and kind of similar to what Oscar Schindler was doing in Schindler's List, right? Um, so they obey government orders, and, and they change their factory over to do that. Um, of course, eventually, the war finally ends, um, and just just a few months after World War II ends, um, Hugo, Melita's husband, passes away in January 1946. Um, Melita is, is right there as the war ends, and they're kind of rebuilding, and, you know, it's this huge reconstruction time in Germany, and the company sees another huge boom. Um, and they also, uh, I was relieved to, to find, um, participated in a program that was compensating victims of the Nazis forced labor policy. Um, so they obviously knew everything about that was all wrong and, and had at least a part in, in, um, some of the, the reparations that happened. Um, and just four years later at the age of 77, Melita herself dies on June 29th. 1950. And Melita's M. Benz company had a market value of 4.7 million Deutschmarks when she died. Today, the Melita Group is owned by Melita's grandchildren, and it is still based at Minden at that same factory. But their business is worldwide. They have locations in Germany, Florida, and New Jersey, and many more. Um, the company employs over 4,500 people across the world. And in 2017, their reported revenue was 1.5 billion euros, which is uh, about the equivalent of 1.8 billion US dollars. Um, there is a company spokesperson who is quoted saying, quote, most Melita locations still have a photograph of her on the wall. Every employee knows Melita Bentz and her unique role as the mother of the corporation. And that, my friends, is Melita Bentz, the inventor of the paper coffee filter. Uh, and what an incredible story hers is. I can't, I'm so inspired by someone who who was bothered by something and fixed it and then, you know, started her own empire from it. And her legacy continues to make the world and my life a better place, one cup of coffee at a time. To learn more about Melita Benz and see pictures of her and her invention, visit broadsyoushouldknow.com. While you're there, you can click on over to the About page and read more about me, my bio, photo, links to my cool stuff, all there. 
Are you following Broads You Should Know on social yet? We're on Facebook and Instagram at Broads You Should Know and Twitter at BYSK Podcast. To suggest a broad, fill out the form on our website or email us at broadsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. I do read your submissions. This broad, by the way, Melita, was a submission from, I believe it was actually from my aunt. Aunt Lynn sent me an email uh, and told me to look into her, and she turned out to be such a fabulous broad. Are you a fan of this podcast? If so, please help spread the word about us. Share your favorite episode with your friends and family, and better yet, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps new listeners to find us. Prods You Should Know is produced by me, Sarah Gorski, and edited by Chloe Skye, with original music by Darren Callahan. Finally, if you really enjoyed Melita Benz's story, then I highly recommend that you check out some of our other inventor broads. We've got Sarah Good, the first black woman to receive a U.S. patent who invented the folding cabinet bed. We have Hedy Lamar, the actress-turned-inventor who invented Wi-Fi. We have Dr. Marion Croak, who invented VoIP technology. And Mary Beatrice Davidson Kenner, who holds the most patents of any black woman in history through today, who invented the first sanitary napkin. See you next week for another Broad You Should Know.